Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Over the Line Sports Layup Line. We are bringing you guys episode six of the second season of the Layup Line. Today, we have a very exciting episode, very brief playoff preview of the NBA's first round of the playoffs. I'm joined with my lovely co-host, as always, Nolan Russell. Nolan, anything you want to say to our viewers before we jump in? Yeah, I mean, playoff basketball starts tonight. We just watched the play-in games end yesterday, so pretty exciting time, obviously, for uh, NBA fans like us. And uh, that's pretty much it <laughs> to to get us started. We're going to fly through this pretty quickly, probably talk about each series one at a time, give our thoughts, predictions and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll probably be doing another episode probably tomorrow about the award ballots that we're going to have. But we'll get into that when we get to that episode. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very excited for that as well. I mean, as Nolan alluded to, it's a very exciting time for NBA fans and NBA players alike, I'm sure. Those are, at least who are participating in the playoffs, uh, shout out the Los Angeles Fakers. Get right into it. The Hawks solidified the eight seed last night, for those of you who watched the game. So they'll be taking on the number one seed Miami Heat in the East. Nolan, I'll let you take this one off the top. What do you think? I think there's potential upset here in a one versus eight matchup. I don't think this is your typical eight seed the Hawks have looked really good as of late. The East in general has been really solid this year. So I think they're much better than your typical eight seed. And I think they're going to give the Heat a run for their money. We obviously saw them make it to the conference finals last year. They upset the number one 76ers in the second round last season. I think they're potentially a really dangerous opponent here. I still like Miami. They've got home court advantage. They've looked great all season. They're the number one seed in the East for a reason, but I, I think the Hawks are going to really challenge them here, and I think I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Atlanta pull it out. I think they most likely win two or three games, push it late, but I'm still probably going to take the Heat in seven, I think. My, much like your take, I do think the Hawks have the potential to win this. They are a very dangerous, at least offensive team. The biggest question mark for me right now is I don't really know what Capella's situation is because Capella, he's a guy that really is very hinged on the Hawks' success, especially against a very strong team like Miami. Personally, I'd probably go I'd probably go Heat and six. I just I think the Hawks can definitely steal a game or two, especially how good they are at home. I just against in a seven game series, I don't really see them holding up longevity wise against them. I think they could steal a game or two, but I don't really see them getting that third or fourth possibly. So I think Heat and six will be my pick to be safe. But again, the Hawks are one of those teams that could go on a run. And I mean, from what we saw last night and how good Trey was down the stretch, I mean he could be a guy that could be a huge catalyst for that team. So would not be surprised if they made it closer than six, but I'm going to go Heat and six. We'll speed over the two and seven. This is a very interesting matchup. So Kyrie will be playing his former team, the Boston Celtics. So it's the two versus seven matchup, Celtics and Nets. On paper, I think this is probably going to be one of the more entertaining series of the entire playoffs, at least in the first round. For those of you who watched their game against the Cavs, uh, Kyrie and KD played great. Kyrie started 12 for 12, ended up 80%. Combined for 60 points, 23 assists total and a win against the Cavs. They looked really good. The only issue I have is that Boston is such a deep team and a very, very good defensive team. I'm, I'm very, I am worried for the Nets. I just, I think this is the matchup that they really didn't want to see. I would say they'd much rather play a team, even like the Heat. I think they'd have a better chance against the Heat and the Celtics, especially with Robert Williams possibly coming back in the series. I know there's inherent injury risk there, but I'm sure they'll try to get him back by game two or three at the latest. So. I don't know, even even with the possibility of Ben Simmons coming back, I know those rumors are floating around, but we haven't seen him play organized NBA basketball in a year. I don't know how much I'm willing to bet on Ben Simmons' success on his insertion in the lineup, especially taking away 
solidified minutes from proven guys who have been good for them all season. I personally, I'm going Celtics in six. I think the Nets definitely have the potential to push this to seven, and they're definitely not a team that'll roll over, especially with having Kyrie and KD on the roster. They're just so deep defensively and extremely well coached. I I don't think even with with or without Ben Simmons, it's just this series, this series kind of just screams Celtics to me. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets pushed this to seven, but I'm going to go Celtics in six. Yeah, this is one of the more interesting series for me in general. Kind of already talked about what the situation is with Ben Simmons, really. The rumors are that he should be back at some point in this series, but I don't know. We'll see what that happens. And even if he does come back, we don't know what kind of play we're going to see from him. We haven't seen him since the playoffs last year, where he obviously was pretty underwhelming. But I do think he's a great fit for the Nets and would add a lot to them, especially defensively. So his addition theoretically could be a big boost for them, but there's just a lot that we don't really know about yet with whether or not he's even going to be playing. And if so, like what kind of play we're going to really see from him. So that obviously is a big sort of swing factor in this series that it's hard to totally gauge how much of a factor that's going to be. And then obviously we don't really know how healthy Robert Williams is either. And I think he's really, really huge for the Celtics. He's been a big part of their success this season, especially defensively. He's really key for them in terms of rim protection and holding up against someone like Kyrie and KD that can just attack the rim at will, especially Kyrie. And I think having a guy like Robert Williams out there to just come in and block shots and protect the rim is going to be really huge for them. So We'll see how healthy he is when he comes back. Most likely, he'll, he will be back at some point mm-hmm. fairly early on in the series. But again, we don't really know how healthy he's going to be. So there's a lot of uncertainty here. To me, I'm just going to take the, the team that has been better all season. I mean, especially lately. And that's, that's the Celtics. Mm-hmm. They've looked so good, especially since the new year. Their defense is just elite. They've got great depth. Tatum is playing like a legitimate superstar. I think they're just a better, well-rounded team. The Nets, obviously... KD and Kyrie can never fully count out those guys. They're just so talented. But I don't know. The rest of the team is pretty underwhelming to me. They really struggle to defend. They suck at rebounding. There's just a lot of issues here that I think the Celtics can exploit. And I just think this is a bad matchup for them. But they have the potential to win, obviously, with the kind of star power they have. And we'll see what goes on with Ben Simmons. I wouldn't be shocked if the Nets pull it out. But I'm going to take the Celtics. I'm probably going to say Celtics in seven. But This one is one that could go a lot of different ways for me. I wouldn't even be shocked if the Celtics just pull away and win in like four or five, but I don't know. You got to give respect to Durant and Kyrie. So I'm going to say Celtics in seven. Yeah, no, I I totally respect that. As you said, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, the Robert Williams factor, Ben Simmons, cumulative to the defensive lacking of Brooklyn, the lack of rebounding ability, especially if Robert Williams comes back early. It's kind of a recipe for disaster for the Nets. I mean, he's been so good in both ways of the ball, elite paint crasher and great on the defensive end. So, I mean, if they get an anchor like that back, it would take it would take honestly a replica of the game that Katie and Kyrie had against the Cavs sevenfold for them to be in this series. So considering that they had to play perfect against a Cavs team that was without Jared Allen, I think from what we saw in that game, I think they would take much, much of the same, if not more to consistently beat the Celtics in the series. So it's so hard for me to bet against the Celtics right now. We'll segue quickly over to the three and six matchup in the East, which is the Bucks and the Bulls. I'll let you take this one. This one, I think is one of the more polarizing matchups, at least in the Eastern conference. This one could, at least earlier in the season, you could definitely argue this could have gone both ways, but I think lately it's a bit different, but I'll let you take the reins here. I'm not that high on Chicago. I think They're a team that's really struggled against good basketball teams all season. They just don't defend that well, especially, you know, aside from their guard defenders, 
and obviously Lonzo's injured, so that that's been huge for them. Uh, they just don't defend that well anymore, and I don't think they have anyone on this team that can really hold up against Giannis. I just, I just think this is kind of a recipe for disaster for the Bulls, and I don't think they're going to hold up well in this series at all. I think I think Milwaukee probably takes it in like four or five. I, I'm actually going to take the Bucks in four. I think there's always a sweep every year, and this one kind of feels like the one that that seems most likely in the East. So I, I'm going to take the Bucks in four. I think this is a really bad matchup for Chicago. Yeah, I agree. I do think it's a bad matchup as well. Uh, there's very little in favor of the Bulls in the series. I mean, they started off the season so hot. Like, I was so – we were both so high on them earlier in the year. They looked so good. Second half of the season has been terrible since January 9th or 20 and 26 with a minus 4.1 net rating. And without Ball in the lineup, I mean, they go – we were talking about it yesterday, but with Ball in the lineup, they go from an eighth overall defensive team in terms of defensive rating to second last in the league at 29th, and especially against such a diverse offensive team in the Bucks. And now you're kind of looking to exploit matchups with ball out of the lineup I'm not necessarily convinced that they can get it done in a seven game series and especially with how well Giannis Drew and Middleton have been playing especially together they're 37 and 10 when they all play which would have been on a pace for a 65 win season if they played more games together there's just so there's so little in favor of the Bulls I just I have bucks and five here I wouldn't be surprised if it was a sweep I definitely I definitely will side with you on that but I think the Bulls will steal a game it'll be on the back of a Levine DeRozan 75 combined or something like that but I'm gonna give bucks and five I'm going to go Bucks in five. In more of a hometown matchup for most of us, we have the 76ers at the four seed and the Raptors at the five seed. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a homer. That's the last thing I want to be. But in saying that, this is probably the one team that most teams in the East did not want to play in the playoffs simply because of how great they were down the stretch. They were the hottest team in the East, eight and 10 with the best record in the East finishing the season. Beyond that, I mean, in the two matchups, Embiid shot 38.1% from the field where our Harden averaged 15 on 33% shooting. The Raptors have proven that they can shut them down. And not even to mention, I think over a seven-game series, the defensive scheming of Nick Nurse is going to be huge in this series. He was able to throw so many different looks at Philly with weird zone zone movements and double teams and great collapses down in the uh, in the interior of the paint. I see this series being very close. The Raptors core has been very impressive as of late. Freddie started the season very well when Siakam wasn't playing too well. And Siakam's kind of pick up the place at pace as of late, kind of filling up his all-star form. And also Scotty Barnes has been unreal down the stretch. He's quickly climbed our rookie of the year ladder. He's made it very close with Mobley. I'd be interested to see which way that goes. But I don't want to allude too much to that because we have our ballot coming out. Right now, for me, Attempting to not be a homer. I have Raptors in six. Yeah, I found it funny when Shaq kind of blindly said they're getting swept. That kind of alludes to him not watching a single game of Raptors basketball this year. I, I don't know. I just have a very good feeling about the team that we have. And yes, you can definitely argue that the 76ers have more star power, but star power doesn't always get it done. And I think the Raptors are a team that are able to buy in and play a collective game of basketball where not many other teams in the NBA can replicate. And the combination of their defensive versatility with the coaching of Nick Nurse and also I think the implication of the death lineup could be very interesting in this series. And that's a storyline that's very intriguing for me. But I'm going Raptors in six. And I don't see that as being a too unpopular of an opinion. I'm also going Raptors in six. And uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not a biased Raptors fan. I'm not a Raptors fan. So. No, you are not. So this is like, I, I really think that this is just a really bad match for Philly. Like Harden does not like playing these teams where they've got like lengthy sort of versatile athletic defenders that, you know, can switch everything on him. He hates playing against those kind of teams. And I think the Raptors are going to really give him a lot of trouble in this series. Um, Embiid is obviously a tough guy to slow down and they've held up really well against them in their, their couple matchups this season, but yeah, it's obviously a small sample size. I think Embiid, 
has the potential to just kind of go off in this series. But I don't know. I think Toronto, especially with Nick Nurse as the coach, like I think he's one of the best coaches in the NBA, if not the best. Truly like a really, really smart guy. And I just think he has a huge coaching edge over Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers is probably the most overrated coach in the league. I'm not a big Doc Rivers guy. I think he has this weird reluctance to just play better players. I mean, last year it was with Tyrese Maxey, like when they were clearly better when Maxey was on the court and he just didn't play him that much. And this year it's like they keep playing guys like Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan instead of Paul Reed, who's clearly much better for them, way better defensively, but they just don't use them that much. And like, it's, I don't know. I just don't really understand the rotations a lot of the time with Doc. Um, he has a very, very large reluctance to just play their bench players in general. And it's kind of weird to me. He, I don't know. I just think Nick Nurse is going to outcoach him in this series. And coaching is really huge in a seven-game series like this. And I think the Raptors match up really nicely. I wouldn't totally count out Philly, obviously. I've, I've seen a lot of people picking the Raptors, and it's almost kind of making me worried that now that now it's almost like the Raptors are kind of the favorite. On paper, coming into this, they almost seem like the underdogs. And I kind of like taking those underdogs that have like a chip on their shoulder, something mm-hmm. to prove. But now that they're they're getting picked so much, the 76ers almost kind of come in with the chip on their shoulder, which does give me a little bit of worry. I think Embiid has a great series, but I think the Raptors slow down the rest of the team and end up pulling out about six games. I think that sounds right to me. The first few games are really going to be huge for deciding this series, though, I think. I, I totally agree. I was just about to say that. I think the fact that the series is starting in Philly, the Raptors have been fairly good on the road. Uh, they've been better on the road as the season's ended. The biggest thing, though, is the only thing I'm afraid of going into an opposition building. I know these games are going to get called different in Philly than they're going to get called in Toronto. And I know it's a it's an expectation that that refereeing and officiating genuinely in sports is supposed to be very objective and it's not supposed to be necessarily subjective due to environment but i have a feeling i just have an inclination that it's going to be very hard for the raptors to get a win in philly so if they could split the first two games at least and go back home at 1-1 i think that's massive for them going forward so i totally agree the first two games are pivotal to their success we'll segue quickly into the west we'll look at the now set sun first pelicans one to eight matchup pelicans coming off a win last night of course against the paul george and kalilas clippers to be honest i really like what i saw from the pelicans but i i don't see them hanging against the suns the Suns have just been way too impressive for me this year. And beyond just the star power of that team, they're just playing such great cohesive basketball and they're a great two-way team, very well coached by Monty. I don't see a way that the Pelicans even steal more than one game. Like I of a sweep in the West, I think it would be this one. But I'm gonna go Suns in five. I'm gonna give the Pelicans the benefit of the doubt. I think they might take one at home. Yeah, that's that's my pick, simply just because I think the Suns are just genuinely a better team. And also this is a tad bit of a matchup nightmare for a team that isn't great defensively to have to play one of the best offensive teams in the league. So I, I just don't think it's a great matchup. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think this is a bad matchup for New Orleans. Phoenix is just such a juggernaut this year. They're they're so good. Like they have a real shot at winning it all. New Orleans has played really well lately. Ever since the McCollum trade, really, they've been they've been really strong. And I think you know I would have considered t- giving them like a couple wins if they were up against like the Grizzlies or even the Warriors, but. I just think Phoenix is such a juggernaut and the way that they play is just going to break down the Pelicans defense. I don't, I don't think this is a good matchup for them at all. I'm tempted to give, to give the Pelicans a win here. I just feel like they've got enough offensive firepower that they can, they can steal a game if they get hot. But I think the Suns most likely are going to take this in four or five. I'll say Suns in five also, but I wouldn't be shocked to see a sweep. Yeah, I wouldn't either. 
And I guess we'll jump into the two and seven set matchup of the Grizzlies and Timberwolves coming off Pat Bev's um, NBA Finals celebration during the play-in win. I guess I'll, I'll let you take the reins on this one. I I'm not too high on the Timberwolves coming into this, but I don't know if you really care for me. Yeah, I'm not fully sold on the Grizzlies in this matchup for a two versus seven. You know, normally I would be like super sold on the two seed, but I think Minnesota has a real shot to give them a run for their money here and maybe even pull off the upset. Minnesota's looked really good, especially the past few months. Elite offensive team. They've got a, a decent group of, of guys defensively that can give Memphis some trouble. Like I think Pat Beverly will will definitely do his best to try to annoy John Morant all series. And they've got Jared Vanderbilt to kind of take on some of the other matchups against like Brooks and Jaron Jackson, maybe Desmond Bain if they need him to. So I, I think Minnesota matches up decently in this in this game. I don't know. Memphis is just too good to, to bet against them here. But I think Minnesota is going to give them a run for their money. I think they could push this to six games, maybe even seven games. I, I don't know. It's interesting. Memphis is only like 36 and 21 one jaw has played, which is actually not like not elite. It's kind of <laughs> they've actually been just really, really good when jaw hasn't played. And I don't know. Part of that is probably just fluky, but it does give me a little bit of worry that they might they might just not be quite as good as their record shows. But I don't know. They, they've got so much depth. They're so good defensively. Their, their offense is really strong. They just got a lot of guys that you can rely on. You know, even if if one of their key players has an off night, they've always got Desmond Bain or Dylan Brooks or even guys like DeAnthony Melton and Tyus Jones, Jaron Jackson. They've just got such a well-rounded roster. I think they probably take this, but Minnesota is going to give them a run for their money. I think I'm going to say Memphis in six, but I wouldn't be completely shocked if the T-Wolves pull off an upset here. This is the one series for me that I think is definitely, it's a little bit anecdotal. I think from the sample size that we've seen the two teams play each other, I mean, it has been has been very back and forth, and we've seen little Pat Bev antics on John Morant to attempt to get into his head, which I think we'll see a lot more of, so get your popcorn out. But much like you, I'm going to go Grizzlies in six. I think the potential for the Timberwolves to push it is very high, especially with their offensive capabilities. Like you alluded to, they're surprisingly amazing with when Jaws out of the game or off the floor. Like they're 20 and five without Jaw this season. And they're also a plus 7.8 points for 100 possessions when he's off the floor. And there's just such a deep team. Like their second unit has been score, one of the better scoring second units in the league. I just, I don't know. It's so hard for me to bet against this Grizzlies team. I know the Timberwolves have been strong down the stretch, but I've just been so impressed by John, what this team has been able to do. I'm going to go Grizzlies in six as well. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Grizzlies in seven or even Timberwolves in seven, but the Timberwolves would have to play very, very well to push it to seven. So I, I'm, I'm going to rock with the Grizzlies here. We'll take it now to the, uh, to the West three and six matchup, which is the Golden State Warriors against the Denver Nuggets. I'll let you take the reins with this one. Yeah, I think this is one of the more interesting matchups in the sense that both of these teams have very clear, exploitable mismatches against the other. I think we're going to see a really high offensive series here. I think the Warriors are going to struggle to guard Jokic just based on size. I mean, that's really the one weakness in this Warriors defense is just you got Kavon Looney, who's like 6'9", and Draymond Green, who's 6'6", and those are your kind of prime primary big man both can really defend very well but they're giving up a lot of size against Jokic and you know you can always try to double team him but it's Jokic (laughs) it's not not the ideal guy to try to double team so I think the key here is going to be whether or not Jokic's teammates can hit the open shots because you know he's going to find them for some if if the Warriors just are forced to kind of try to 
try to get the ball out of his hands because I don't think they're going to be able to guard him one-on-one here. So offensively, I think this is really good for the Nuggets and it's going to depend on whether or not Jokic's teammates can hit their shots. But on the flip side, I think the Nuggets are going to really struggle to defend the Warriors. They give up a lot of shots off screens, like pick and roll kind of situations, pull up. Obviously, that's something that the Warriors do a lot of and they're, they're very good at it. The Nuggets can really struggle to guard on the perimeter in general. I mean, last year we saw Damian Lillard just cook them in the first round. I think he averaged like 35 per game or something like that. And then the second round, it was kind of the same thing where Booker and Chris Paul would just set screens and just punish their drop coverage over and over again. Both of them averaged over 25 points in that series. And now they're going up against Steph. They're going up against Jordan Poole. They're going up against Clay. All three are hot. I mean, Steph obviously has been hurt a lot lately, but I'm sure he's going to come back and just be hot right away. But Poole and Clay have been really hot lately. So I think all three of those guys could be poised for great series here against the Warriors. I don't know. We'll see how healthy Steph is. I think that's obviously a major swing factor here. If if he's not at full health, the Nuggets could end up taking this. I, I don't know. I, I just think this is a really bad matchup for them defensively. And offensively, it's really going to be reliant on guys like Will Barton and Monte Morris being able to hit those shots. Yeah. And I'm just not as confident in them as I am in Poole and Clay and Steph. And I think in this series, the Warriors are going to try their best to get the ball out of Jokic's hands. And it's going to be really reliant on Jokic's teammates stepping up. And I'm not as confident in them as I am in the Warriors here. So I think Golden State probably ends up taking it maybe in like six games. But Denver could pull away if Jokic gets some reliable support. But that's been very hit or miss all season. And I'm just not as confident in that as I am in the Warriors. Yeah, you uh, you basically took all my points, so thank you. The biggest factor for me is the fact that you're still going to be lacking MPJ and Jamal Murray. They only got a total of nine games out of the two of them this season, which is terrible, especially for Jokic's sake. In terms of boiling down the supporting cast, I totally agree. I have a lot more faith in the Warriors, especially on the back of how amazing Jordan Poole's been playing down the stretch. The addition of clay has been huge. Draymond Green, even defensively, has been great. There's very little past Jokic that the Nuggets will be able to do to basically combat the offensive ability of the Warriors. It'll come down to supporting cast, as you said. I think Aaron Gordon will be one of the biggest X factors in the series for sure. He's been playing well down the stretch. But again, he's not he's not a premier number two scorer. I mean, for being a second option on the team, I'm pretty sure his his 15 points per game, I think, is the lowest of a secondary scorer in the league. So Jokic has gotten very minimal help this year. Monty Morris will be big, as you said. I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of team we see come on the floor for the Nuggets because if the Nuggets are hitting shots early and they're getting support from role players they usually haven't gotten I think that could be a huge swing factor but I'm going to side with Warriors in six as well the health of Steph is a big factor but even past that if he's not playing at 100% he has plenty of supporting options to be able to get it done whether that be Clay, Poole or even Draymond leading the point at times which he does and Wiggins and and Wiggins yeah Yeah, I don't know it's so hard for me to bet against the Warriors of the series I love I love Jokic to death and his game is amazing but with so little around him, I just don't know how much he as an individual can do against a Warriors team that's so deep and has been playing well all year. Yeah, I expect a great series from Jokic, and it's really going to be dependent on whether or not guys like Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, Monte Morris, Bones Highland. I think he needs at least one of those guys to step up every game. Really, like four, four out of the seven games, he's going to need at least one of those guys to step up and provide the extra support. And I think we're going to see that happen at least a couple of games. I think this could go deep six or seven games, but I just, I'm not confident that it happens four to seven games where, where they get that reliable sport. So I think we're, we're kind of in agreement here that the Warriors just seem like the safer pick. Yeah, they, they definitely are the safer pick. 
And in a series that lacks safe picks, the very last series we're going to talk about, talk about the Utah Jazz, the fifth (laughs) seed, playing the Dallas Mavericks, the fourth seed. I'll start this one simply because I have an article dropping in about an hour about this series, so be sure to check it out. This series, if Luka was healthy, makes it a lot different. Luka's confirmed that he's missing game one, tentative whether or not he's coming back for game two. And past that, I mean... The supporting cast with Luca out will have to do numbers. I mean, Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie will have to pick up a lot of slack. Dwight Powell will be forced to play a huge series against uh, Rudy Gobert, arguably with the best defensive player in the league. And I don't know. The Jazz have a lot to prove, though. I would say the, the pressure is a lot more on the Jazz than the Mavs. The Jazz are tentatively looking to blow up the combo of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. At least there's a lot of rumors swirling. So if there's any time for them to have to get it done, it's now. They haven't made the conference final since 2006. They, they're currently riding six consecutive playoff runs without a conference final appearance, even uh, even right now with this team. It's very hard for me to still pick the Mavs when Luka could be missing two games, especially with how good of a two-way team the Jazz are. I would argue one of the better two-way teams in the league second highest three-pointers made per game among other very key offensive stats but I don't know I just think the impact of Gobert the primary scoring of Mitchell the secondary ability of the Jazz supporting cast Jordan Clarkson Bogdanovich guys like that with Luka out I I have Jazz in seven here listen with Luka healthy this started as Mavs in six for me but Luka possibly missing a game or two at least missing this game at home I think is going to be massive the Jazz will need to win it I don't know. I got Jazz in seven because I think Luca's going to come back at some point. And he'll be able to take a game or two, but this is going to be this this is going to be my series that I'm going to be watching the closest. Not only because I'm writing the article on this, but because this is going to be I think one of the most entertaining series in the playoffs. I think a healthy Mavs, like a healthy Luca, and the Mavs probably take this. I think this is a really bad matchup if Luca's healthy for the Jazz. I mean, they just they suck at defending on the perimeter. I mean, Jordan Clarkson is pretty terrible at it. Mitchell's not that great defensively. Conley's kind of fading at this point. Bogdanovich can't really guard anyone out there. So they just get cooked on the perimeter. And that Luca would have just, I think he would have killed them. But he's hurt. And we're not really sure if he's coming back. Like, well, I mean, he's probably coming back at some point, but how healthy is he going to be? When is that going to be? That's that's up in the air. I think if he's back for game two and, and he's fully healthy, then the Mavs could still take this. But I just I think there's too many question marks there and Utah is still a really good team. Like I don't want to completely sell on them. I think a healthy Utah is just, is too much better than a Mavs team with, with too many question marks right now. Like I think a fully healthy Mavs, I would have probably taken them in six, but I I just can't, I can't really justify it when, when Luca's health is in so much question right now, they could still definitely pull this out, but I just think it makes way more sense to take the jazz here. So I'm probably going to take them in seven, but. Yeah, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll say Jazz in six. I just, I, I don't know what's up with Luca in terms of, of if he, even if he comes back, like how healthy is he going to be? And the Jazz's offense is so good, but yeah. it's too tough to pick the Mavs when there's too much question marks there. So I'm, I'm going to say Jazz in six, but it pains me. I think this is the year they could have had a chance at. I, I mean, I don't think they were going to get past the second round, but at least to win a series. But you know, Luca, yeah, Luca had to get hurt at the worst possible time. Well, what would have been and still could be Luca's first series win of his career. The one thing I will say, even with him missing a few games, his impact in playoff basketball has been one of the more like impressive runs for such a young guy in, in the playoffs I've seen. It's funny to me at times where people kind of, they underestimate the clutch value of some players and overlook others. I'm not saying Luca gets overlooked in the clutch, but in 13 playoff games, Luca averages 33 and a half points, including five 40 plus point games and three triple doubles. He's been extremely impressive and his impact cannot be understated. So 
I think Jazz in seven, I think for me is fair. If Luca comes back, if not, then I definitely respect yours and Jazz in six, but we basically have the same take on that. So I can't argue. I guess really quick to wrap it up. Is there, is there any one player for any team that stands out at you that could be the biggest swing factor of anyone else in the playoffs? I guess we'll wrap it up with that. I'll just, I'll pick a team that I picked to lose then. I mean, I think Luke is obviously a good pick, depending on how healthy he is, if he comes back right away. In the same kind of vein, like, you could definitely say Ben Simmons, but, you know, both of them are too much of a question mark, so I'll, I'll go with someone that's actually for sure playing and for sure healthy. I think James Harden is, is probably a good pick here. I think his play is going to be really huge, depending on whether or not Philly is going to move on. I think they need him to step up. I'm not convinced he's going to do it, and that's part of why I'm taking Toronto here. I think it's a really bad matchup for him. He he doesn't like those those bigger, lengthier kind of versatile defenses, and that's exactly what the Raptors are going to throw at him, and I don't think he's going to respond well to that. And mm-hmm. He obviously doesn't have the best track record when it comes to playoffs just in general, so I think he's going to have a tough series. I haven't been impressed with him really this season at all. I, I think he's kind of – he's starting to fade, and it's it's really showing, so – I think his play is going to be major factor in whether or not Philly wins that. And I'm, I'm kind of betting on him not playing that well, which is part of why I'm taking the Raptors, but I think his, his play is a huge swing factor. So he's probably the, the main guy that jumps out to me. Yeah. And I guess for me personally, I mean, I, I was kind of torn because I was thinking about this last night. I think DeMar DeRozan for the Bulls will be a huge pick with Lonzo out. And I mean, I know Lonzo doesn't bring, an infinite amount of offensive uh, versatility. The team He's more a defensive impact guy, but he's still a very good playmaker. But DeRozan's going to have to play probably the biggest role. I would argue the biggest role of his career with the Bulls this year. I mean, he'll have to be a leader like he's been all season. He's been a borderline MVP candidate for at least half the season. For a Bulls team that's so outmatched in this series, I think they're going to have to have huge performances from him and Levine. And I think it starts with DeRozan. His ability to create in the mid-range and create for his teammates and kind of be be an impact player off the ball, I think will be huge. And I guess on the West side, just to allude to one really quick, I think the Grizzlies-Timberwolves series, I think Carl Anthony Towns could be a huge X factor as well. I know it's a given. It's a given he's a great player, borderline top 20, 25 player in the league right now. I just think that the success of the Timberwolves kind of starts and ends with Cat's ability to rebound, create from the post, and just just be able to spread the floor with his uh, with his shooting ability, I think could be massive, especially against a Grizzlies team that's so deep, he'll have to be able to score consistently. But yeah, I think th- those would be my picks. I'd, I'd say more so DeRozan, especially with how match- outmatched they are against the Bucs. I think it'll take huge games from him. But yeah, that's my pick. And I, I guess without further ado, I think we'll wrap it up here for uh, episode six. We appreciate you guys as always for tuning in. We hope you guys appreciate our take. I guess enjoy, enjoy the playoff basketball we're going to see today. Finally get to see it. Play-ins are done. Everything's officially locked in. So as of right now, in an hour 40 time, time we're going to see the tip off of the Mavericks Jazz series which will be the first game of the playoffs. Nolan any any closing thoughts really quick before we wrap it up? Let's both give our pick for who we think is going to win it all. No explanation win just, it all. just no pick a team. Okay all right you go first. <laughs> I'm gonna say box. Damn it you took my pick. <laughs> well okay you know what for parody's sake I was going to go with the box. I'm gonna I'm going to keep it in the East. I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. And yeah, guys, so that's been episode six. We're thankful as always that you guys tuned in. All of our both North American listeners and international listeners, we appreciate you for sticking with us all year. We'll be dropping our award ballot episode in the next day or two. uh, So be sure to be on the look for that. We'll have the full list on our Instagram that you'll be able to interact with and vote with. And we'll be able to go over it after the playoffs are done. Or at least once the uh, once the awards are finalized and we'll see where everyone's voting was at. But be sure to be on the lookout for that. And we always appreciate you guys listening. Nolan, I appreciate you coming on. And without further ado, guys, enjoy the NBA basketball. Enjoy the playoffs. Get your popcorn ready. It'll be entertaining. 
and do not miss your layup.